Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. Next up, we have esteemed actor, rapper, producer, and author, Omar Epps, whose career spans decades and includes iconic roles in films like Higher Learning and Love in Basketball. Coming up, I talked to Omar about getting his breakout role as a teen in the classic movie Juice alongside the late great Tupac Shakur. In the moment, he fell in love with rapping. Also, the origin of his new Afrofuturistic novel, Nubia, The Awakening. Up next, Omar Epps. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Download the podcast, refer a friend, a family member, leave a five-star rating. This week's theme is Rise and Grind. Let me give you some behind the scenes as to what it actually takes to be a renaissance man. It's a lot of hard work, 24-7, 365. If you don't work, then you can't eat. Hosting two podcasts, writing a column, doing multiple shows on ESPN, doing Jalen and Jacoby Monday through Friday, constantly reinventing myself over and over again. It's an actual constant workout. And I wouldn't have it any other way. You know why? Because I love what I do. But one of the many keys to success is putting in the time, doing the work. And newsflash, you can't fake the work or cut corners if you want to truly be great and keep that greatness. That's why I'm always interested and talking to guests on this podcast about the ways that they've actually outworked their competition to get where they are. Everyone has their own process. But with that being said, I want to make it clear. I'm not here to promote burnout or working yourself to death or into the ground. To be successful means you have to be successful in all areas of your life, including your ability to manage your time and workload. Hard work alone with no direction will not cut it. Showing up for the gym, but you got to make sure your battery's recharged. Got to get a good night's sleep. You got to eat right. Prioritize your time so that you can hit the goals you want to achieve each day without any distractions. Remember, don't just work harder work smarter and guess what you will see the results my next guest is all about how to balance art and a bit of healthy competition omar epps is a talented multi-hyphenate who puts in the effort each day while using his platform to speak truth in the causes that matter to him coming up i talked to omar epps 
about what it was like to be 17 years of age and have Cindy Haran of Envogue as a love interest in his first movie and how he looks back at the beautiful sadness in the 1995 film Higher Learning and the ways he hopes to inspire the next generation of young people with his new book. Up next, Omar Epps. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. My next guest is a legendary actor, rapper, and producer who's known for so many classic roles, but I'll just tell you a couple like Love and Basketball and Juice, as well as TV dramas like House and Power Book 3, Raising Canaan. His first young adult sci-fi novel is called Nubia, The Awakening. And it tells the story of three teens living in a futuristic New York City after a storm destroyed their African homeland it is available right now wherever books are sold it is my honor to welcome my brother the talented omar epps to the renaissance man what up my what brother? Up, what up what up man peace to you i just want to start off by shouting you out um you know i'm privy to the things that you do in detroit for these kids Love. and i just want to salute you for that um it, it's 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 amazing and, and keep doing your thing keep doing your thing brother Thanks a lot. I'm inspired by you as well, my brother. I appreciate the love. And I wanted to ask you, how did growing up in Brooklyn shape you and the trajectory of your life? Uh, Brooklyn is everything to me, you know. Um, um, you know, I grew up in a rough environment. And, and, but, but, you know, I had a lot of good people around me, uh, not just family members, but, but, but friends, um, my, my old heads, as we like to call them, you know. They always looked out. They always wanted the best for us. And so um, I was very young when I started in this business. I did juice when I was um, 17 years old. So but so early on, you know, they 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 saw that I had something different. And so they kept me out the streets. You know, they they like, nah, you, you ain't coming over here. Like, go go do that other thing. You you good at that. You know what I mean? And, and it that combined with, you know, my mother's influence in terms of um she gave me a sense of value early on, a sense of uh, worthiness early on. So, you know, like for me, I'm not knocking nobody because everybody has different circumstances. But in my particular case, like selling drugs or something like that was whack because mm-hmm. it was easy. That's what everybody right. doing, you know, right. and, and I and I understood the domino effect of how that could ripple through the community. So right. I always had a sense of responsibility to the to the community as well. And, um, you know, by the blessings, um, I was able to get, get, get on my purpose early. And your purpose has entertained us for decades now. When did you know you wanted to be in entertainment? You know, I never, I never, um, 
that's a great question. I never thought about it in that way. It was just like, you know, my, my grandmother was an artist. My grandfather was an artist. Like, um, my thing actually came from, from writing. Like I used to write poetry and short stories and things of that nature. Obviously I used to rap and, um, so it was it was constantly trying to figure that out, and then acting became an extension of that expression because mm. I found out it was just oh it's about expression right, and I was able to have a well, well still having a good run at that you know, but it was like okay I need to write the words and that because I I have things that I want to say and and put out there into the world for these young people the same way that people came before me did for me. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's the James Baldwin's or the Maya Angelou's or the Yank- Langston Hughes, like these things inspired me when I s- saw Sidney Poitier uh, when I was a kid. I, I, the the elegance, the grace, the power, you know, I wanted to emulate that. So hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm laying a, a trail of breadcrumbs for the younger, younger ones that come after, after me, after us, you know, that they can latch onto and be inspired by. You just named some iconic human beings, which now lean, lends me to ask you the question because you named three or four of them. Who were your favorite five as it relates to poetry of all time? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a, well, that's, I mean, that's, that's a great question. And that's a long list because for me, you know, we can go from, Plato and Socrates to Rumi, like it's a it's a long list. Of, it's it's all over the place. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, because I'm a seeker of information. Um, but I think that everyone, as an individual, has poetry within them. It just comes out in different forms, you know. And that's why I talk to the, these young kids about, like, you know, find your purpose, mm-hmm. you know, and then and then sink into it and dedicate your life to that. Like, and a lot of people ask me like, Oh, you know, did you ever think you'd, you'd be here? And I'm like, yeah, cause <laughs> no doubt. you know no what doubt. I'm saying? I dedicated my life yes. to this. Like, and you have to see it. I saw this when I was a 10 year old kid, mm. pretty much like, like you, the thing that the things that you've accomplished in your career, you know, as an athlete, mm-hmm. come on, dog, mm-hmm. you, you in the gym, you really no doing doubt. that. No doubt. You can't, and, and and that's what I stress to the kids the most is you can't fake the work. Can't. You can once you believe, once you this, and if you have a uh, somewhat of a good support system, that's all great. But then it's up to you to actually do the work. So when everybody sleep, I'm up working mm-hmm. on my craft, whatever that thing is. You see what I'm saying? And also being a a multi hyphen, like in entertainment and or in life, we're not allowed to just be one thing. Remember we were young and they would say, so what do you want to be when you grow up? Now that's a hundred things, right? It's not just one. And you have to also spread your wings. Like you've done, you've done it in acting in poetry, but I have to ask you, you're from Brooklyn. New York is the birthplace of hip hop. Tell me about when you fell in love with rap, and when you wanted to rhyme? Oh, man. Well, I fell in love with rap. Um, really, honest, I mean, it was everywhere, but it's because of my aunts, my aunt Jean and my aunt Sarah. 
you know, when they used to babysit me and they, you know, it's when we had the LP. So that's like the big record. And, um, you know, they be playing Sugar Hill Gang and all of that stuff, not babysitting me. And I'll be listening <laughs> to these records, you know, like, yo, I like that groove right there. Oh, like, yeah, you know, the Capona set with the 33s. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And then it's like, so it just went from there. And it, because back then, it wasn't readily available. They didn't, they only played it on the radio at a certain time, which was real late, you know, and I was a kid, but mm -hmm. it was everywhere in terms of the culture. You know what I'm saying? Dudes was break dancing in the street or dudes would be rhyming on the corner and, you know, having battles and stuff like that. So I just took to it because the essence of it was black and brown culture and just culture, period. You know, and it, it was also um, the things that were being spoken about. Like when I came up, you had Big Daddy Kane, you had Rakim, you had um, KRS-One, you had LL Cool J, you had Public Enemy, you had mm -hmm. like all of these. And the things that they were saying yes. were as profound as watching Spike Lee's do the right thing. Yes. You know? yes. But we get to ride around with this. Yes. that's the difference you, you know you watch do the right thing that one time and then you saw it and it stuck with you but now you listen to this all yes. day like yes. you know burn hollywood burn you like what yes. does that mean oh, <laughs> yes that, yes you know? i like nike but wait a minute it's like hold on all right <laughs> you know? uncle chuck i'm listening yeah yeah so it's it, those type of that you know it would, it would it would give you a feeling not of rebellion it would give you a feeling of of belonging and questioning certain things, the system that, 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 that we're in and that we're living in day by day. Cause all these other things are going on. You know what I mean? In terms of like not getting off topic, I'm staying off on topic. You know, a lot of people look at what's been going on in the last few years with uh, 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 police officers killing unarmed black people and things of that nature. And I'm like, no. man, that, that been going on. I can name a whole bunch of people to you that, you probably don't even know, you know what I mean? No, no. They, they've been doing that. So that's where hip hop comes in because that's where the journalistic component comes in because they, they reporting on the truth. This is Correct. really happening. If we don't say it, there wasn't no social media, none of that back then. Well, no in the message, in the message, Melly Mel rap about that in exactly. that song. Exactly. Broken glass everywhere like start like that and that's like you walk outside and yeah it is broken glass everywhere like you know mm -hmm. yeah, what about the first role you recall doing that you were like this acting thing i could be something special at it <laughs> well all right so this is a funny story so when i was in junior high school um they they had a we were doing the you know we kids junior high school they were doing a play. We were doing Grease. And, um, you know, it's not really auditions because everybody's kids. So it's kind of like a popularity contest or whatever. Who's cooler with this teacher whatever. So, um, you know, I went up for the lead role, of course, and, um, and I didn't get it. And I was mad. <laughs> and this one kid got it. And I was like, but he can't act. And so it just stuck with me because there's a now the thing about me, Jay, is I'm different because I'm competitive. No doubt. By nature. No so doubt. I'm like, so that bar, I mean, that bothered me the rest of junior high school. No doubt. <laughs> I'm like, oh now nah, they're gonna see. They're gonna see. And so then once I got into uh shout out to LAG, I went to performing arts high school and really got like real training and and um 
I found my, I, I, I just felt that my form of expression, my purpose was to be an actor, you know? And, but like I said, I always did the work and I started out so early that it was like I had the cheat code because mm. a lot of times people say something, they say they're doing the work, but they really not in the gym like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I live, breathe. That's why I could relate to the mama mentality and mm-hmm. all of these things. I could relate to that because that's me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's almost like yeah. you a psychopath, but <laughs> that's yo, what it takes. That's what it takes. And so when I, I started off so early, you know, and then obviously getting the, the, the blessings from above to, to, to have my first opportunity to um, do Juice and then dance with Tupac in my first movie, because he was all the way on the other coast doing the same thing exactly. in the gym. In you know gym. what I mean? And putting yes. in that work. So when we when we got together, we was just bah, 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 bah. we was all over the place with it. Like, oh, man. And then. You know, it goes on to be uh, become the classic that it is. I got to ask you about shooting juice. So you're a teenager, Samuel Jackson, Queen Latifah, Tupac, all in this movie, which is an all time classic. Tell me what was it like when you received the news that you were going to get the role? And what was it like working with Tupac? Man, I'll never forget that day because that day. changed my life and also cemented the belief that I'd had in myself. Mm. So I'm at, I'm at the crib, you know, again, it's before cell phones. So, you know, I went through the audition process, all of that. And um, I'm at the crib, just dolo. And um, the phone rings and it's Ernest Dickinson who wrote and directed you. He said, Hey man, you know, how you doing? You know? And I was, you got to keep in mind, I'm so young that I'm naive to the actual process of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, when you're that young, you're just thinking it's going to happen because I want it to happen. Correct. So I don't have any feelings of pressure or anxiety. Am I going to get, you know, I don't mm-hmm. really care. That I'm like, yo, it's going to be what it is. And he says, hey, man, yeah, man, I got some really good news, man. And I say, yeah, what? He said, you got the role. And I was like, what? Yeah. He's like, yeah, man, you got the role. And I say, hey, man, thank you, man. That's that's great, man. I didn't even know what that meant. Right. <laughs> you know, all I was thinking was, I'm going to call Mom Dukes. Like, yo, Ma, I got the role. And she's like, I, I wanted you to go to college and be a lawyer. What role are you talking about and all this? You know, and the process of um, filming with Pac was amazing, man. He was, a, he was an incredible brother. Truly, truly an incredible brother. And, you know, at the time, um, he, had, um, he was writing his first album. Um, so he hadn't put out any music yet, but he had, he was like, you know, with digital underground at that point, but you had to really be a hip hop head to even know that. Like you might've saw him in the back of one of their videos or something like Run that. around when I hang around with the underground. Ground, yeah. You know, so, but he was writing his first album and, and that was an incredible experience for me because I mean, this guy was literally doing that every day. We, we memorizing lines, we running lines together, and then he's sitting there, yo, listen to this. And he's spitting raps to me. But I didn't know he was recording his first album. I just mm-hmm. thought he was spitting a rap to me. Right. So I'm like, you know, some of them I was like, yo, that's dope. And then some of them I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, nah. I'm... And then, you know, after the movie comes out, then we, because <laughs> my story is strange. So you just mentioned Latifah. So, at the time, 
I was in a singing group called Vision, and I was able to get two of them um, extra roles, like background roles on a, on a set of Jews, and we we was a five man group. So Latifa had this group. I remember their name too. No disrespect to them, but they was called Simple Pleasure, mm-hmm. and she had just did a demo for them. So she kept playing the demo in her trailer. So I'd be walking by the trailer, and I'm, I'm again the competitiveness. So mm-hmm. who am I to Queen Latifah? <laughs> Shout out to you, sis. I love you. No doubt. And I'm like, I'm walking by. I'm like, yo, my group has smoked them. Like you, you, you made a demo on them, and she's like, what? Like who's this kid? And I was like, yo, trust me. So she was like, all right, we'll tell them to come up here the next day. So I already had two on set, and I called the other two like, yo. Y'all got to come up tomorrow. And we was filming up in Harlem. And this is a literal story. I wonder if if La remembers this. She done been through so much in life and so many experiences. But right before the scene in Juice, where Q is in the, um, when when he's asking her, the the manager to, yo, let me scratch at this, you know, contest. It was right before we filmed that. And so we were in the staircase and everybody made it up there and we sung for her acapella. She started crying, tears. She was like, yo, y'all got to let me work with y'all. Me and Shaquan, we got a company that's a partner. Shout out to Sha. Like, she's like, yo, y'all got to let me work. So I'm saying all that to say, the next thing you know, after we wrap Juice, she's like, yo, I'm about to go on tour with Ziggy Marley and them. Mm. And I want y'all to sing background and and can y'all dance? Wow. (laughs) it was crazy. So we, I, I filmed Juice. I end up on tour with Queen Latifah before the movie Dope. comes out. Dope. And then the movie comes out. You can't even make it up, man. <laughs> and also, somebody who wrote that movie must have loved you because you got to have a love interest with Don from Invo. Oh, with Cindy, man. She, that, now, let me tell you something, man. I'm sure you've experienced this in your life. That was surreal, man. No doubt. That was surreal. Because you got to remember, I'm 17 Correct. years old. No doubt. So I got, Somebody I got loves you. Yo, I got posters, posters of In Vogue on my wall. You no know, doubt. Whitney Houston, like everybody. And the next thing you know, a couple months later, they like, oh, yeah, you got to kiss her. And I'm like, what? I don't, I don't even know how to kiss. Like, what? what? <laughs> you know? Um, but shout out to her, man. She was She was gracious. And we had a great time and and really try to um explore those dynamics because it's 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 some real stuff you know what i mean in terms of um older woman younger man yes. in the hood like this stuff go on and i thought that was brave of ernest dickinson it was it was so dope it, it was brave of him to even broach that at that time you know what i mean absolutely and as i mentioned you you've been in so many classics you got a book coming out. You're in multiple yeah. television shows. But I have to ask you something about higher learning. Yeah. So I played with Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. And okay. he has a documentary coming out in 2023 on Showtime. And it talks about him taking his stance during the national anthem. And then years later, Colin Kaepernick took a knee before football games in the NFL. Did that remind you? Of what Fudge asked you in that movie about what would you do if the <laughs> national anthem was being played? Cause that's what it always reminded me of. Yo, that's a that's a super, super great question. Um, 
it actually did because you know obviously salute and rest in peace to John Singleton, mm-hmm. but this brother was just on another um, um, wavelength of energy, and he was so acutely aware of the power of imagery, the power of the words that the characters are saying. So everything was so intentional, you know, mm-hmm. and. You know, I was still young at the time. I was like early 20s. So some of it would go over my head. Like I would have to go chill with him at the crib. Like, yo, what does this scene mean? Why is he this, that, and the other? And he's like, yo, and then he would break it down. And I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. So, um, you know, higher learning is, is, is one of those ones, man. It, it's, it's, it's beautifully sad, if that makes sense. And I mm-hmm. say that to say because it's a beautiful piece, but it's sad that like some of these same things are still going on that you go back to higher learning, Jake. Mm-hmm. Now, you know what the element nobody thinks about? School what? shooting. Ooh, yes, Remy. People yes. don't think about that. Yes. Like, you know what I'm saying? And now this stuff is hopefully yes. not becoming normalized, but I'm saying it's like, yes. it's just a great point. And they talking about that back then, talking about LGBT, Yes. rights and things of that nature yes. all the way back then yes you know? but on the surface it just looks like oh the crew of the black kids against the crew of the white mm-hmm. kids but that's it was so much deeper than that man and, and that's why that's why i say beauty beautifully sad absolutely and also again so many classics i could go on and on and by the way i just got to tell y'all let me make sure i get the name of this book again nubia the Awakening. The awakening. Make yeah. sure you, cra- you grab that right now. It's available wherever books are sold. I have to also ask you, because in the book, I noticed it hits so many themes like climate change, class conflict, and race. And as we had the higher learning conversation, this, this, this all makes sense, um, how you've come full circle as an adult. And so I have to ask, when did you become interested in looking at the future and alternate realities through a black cultural lens? Mm, wow, that's another great question, man. Hey, you you good at this. Thank you, family. <laughs> um, you know, for me, I'm a creative, right? So I never think about a genre or a label or I just follow the idea. And Nubia the Awakening, the origin idea that I had was one day I was, you know, we live in a tumultuous world and things of that nature. And so one day I was like, what if love itself was illegal? Mm. And I just sat with that for weeks. Like, what would that? What? And then what if love was reborn through a 14 year old kid who's an awkward teenager who doesn't know that he himself is love? Mm. <laughs> you know, and then mm. I started unraveling that. And, and um, like I said, going down a rabbit hole and um. So I never thought about it um, actively, like I want to write a like a young adult sci-fi thing. You know, I just followed the, the I followed the story, and I thought that putting it in the future, but keeping some of the themes of now would be a that was the challenge, mm-hmm. right? Because as they say, the more things change, the more they stay the same, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. it was just like okay, so. You know, when you talk about climate change, what does the geography of the world look like? Literally, mm. it doesn't look like how it looks now. Who the superpowers that are the country superpowers that are now are no more. It's a whole different set of 
thing. Mm -hmm. And so then when I concentrated on this group of kids who are displaced because their homeland was destroyed, um, and there's three teenagers who are trying to figure it out. So, and but then gifts start to sprout upon them in their adolescence from their ancestors that they were never privy to because their parents thought these gifts died with the land that died. Mm. So it's really about like, so what are these kids going to do with this? <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's just been such a, I'm just so grateful, man. I'm uh, my, Again, I'm shouting out my co-pilot. I call him my co-pilot, my co-writer, Clarence A. Haynes. Um, I went to school, man. I, he taught me so much. Um, you know, I've never done this before, but what I have done is tell stories and I know how to tell stories and I'm telling a story with purpose. Like I, 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 I always tell people like, I'm not trying to sell you a book. This is necessary. This is a necessary story because you know, mm -hmm. like I know so when you do read, yeah, you're learning and things like that, but you can escape. Exactly. Just for an hour, two hours, you can escape. You can go. I remember being a kid reading Super Fudge by Judy Bloom, and it would just take me somewhere for an hour. And then I come back to my life and it give me a little bit more oomph and like, no, I can, I can get through these this day. And but I'm I keep, you know, dreaming about this. And I'm like, that's what I want to get these kids, you know, mm -hmm. uh, 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 an escape. But you know, you know, you know what grandma, you know what big mama do. She's gonna put a little castor oil in the candy. No doubt. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, yeah, man. And, and, and I want to, again, thank you for being such an inspiration to future generations. Thank you. And you know the term that we don't like to hear as it relates to reading. If you want to hide something from a brother, put it in the book. And thank you for breaking stereotypes and being an intellect. And taking the time to be on Renaissance, man. But before you get out of here, Omar Epps, uh -huh, uh -huh, got uh -huh. a rapid fire segment called Gone in 60 Seconds. You ready to do this? Let's go. Let's get it. You just talked about one of your co-pilots professionally. How about you and your lovely wife, Keisha, have been uh -huh. married for 15 years and worked on several projects together. What relationship advice has stayed with you all of those years? Man, I mean, the number one thing is communication. Um, you know, be as honest as you can, I guess. But the thing that our little secret sauce is we took breaking up off the table. Mm. And what that did for me personally, I can't speak for her, but what that did for me was it changed the way that we had conflict. Yes. You know what I mean? Like yes. when you always know, like, you know what? I'm out. Yes. You don't really care about how you communicate, how you argue. Right. But when it's like, that's off the table. Now it's like you start to well, you know, this is my my partner. I love this woman. I have children with this one's matriarch of our family. It's my friend. I don't want to say this to her in that way. So what's really the conflict? What's what's really the problem? And then that just the arguments just we well, yeah, we human. We still bump heads from time to time. Of course. But we we do it in such a respectful way, which because we know, you know, that's the other thing is like don't go to bed angry. Love that. Or, or yeah. try not to. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Name yeah. one actor you haven't worked with that you'd love to. Denzel Washington. Hands down. Oh, wow. You haven't Period. Now I never that I think about Denzel. it, oh, we need this to happen. I keep putting it out in the universe. Me and Denzel got a shape, man. I want to I wanna work with that brother. I want to work with 
Wesley Snipes. I want to work with Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, there's a long list, but but Denzel is at the top of that list. Well, we need to make that happen. When I see Uncle D, I'm gonna make sure I bring that up to him. How about this? I am going to tell them, you've always been someone that's about your fashion, too. I see that fly blazer you rocking right now. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> tell me, as you look in the mirror, one of the flyest outfits you recall wearing in public. Wow, that's a unique question. Um, well, it, I was in public, but it wasn't in, like, on camera or whatever. It was just a night, a night me and uh, wifey went out, man, and I just... Went there that day. I had some um, some Gucci riding boots. It was like a wild outfit. Like I just felt like, you know what? I'm gonna really go there tonight. When I take her out to dinner, I came out there looking like a a, a jockey. <laughs> 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 looking at me like the hat and the whole thing. Like she was like, "Word, that's how you feeling?" I'm like, "Yeah, you want to make another baby tonight?" <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Oh, that's classic. How about this? Speaking of making babies, can you name as many of your love interests as possible that you've done movies with? That I've done movies with. So we we already mentioned Cindy. You got uh, Cindy Heron. You got um, Halle Berry. Of course, you got Sanan Lathan. And you got Neil Long. Um, Gabrielle Union. These are all my homegirls, by the way. No doubt. Queens, love them all. No um, doubt. Classic. Um, there's been a few more. Uh, um, I guess you could say Patina Miller. And it's, well, not really. Not really. Not not really. Um, that's Those are the names that come to mind first. Let me put it that way. Legends. Glenn Close. Glenn Close. You can say Glenn that now. Close. Yeah, Glenn man. Glenn Close. Got a movie coming out with her. Shout out to Lee Daniels. It's called A Deliverance. Um, that'll be out next year. So I can add that to the list now. No, no, hold on. You're breaking news. Omar Epps got a 2023 project. Can you rewind that and tell the world what it is, please, sir? Yeah, it's called The, the Deliverance. Um, Lee Daniels uh, wrote and directed it. And um, it stars Glenn Close and uh, Audrey Day. And it's, it's, it's a piece. It's... If for the people who love Get Out, they're gonna love this movie because it's different. It's different. So um, yeah, I'm excited about that as well. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure myself, because I'm gonna order it and read it. And like the rest of my followers, make sure y'all check out Nubia, the awakening right now. Omar Epps, I appreciate the love, my brother. Stay healthy and continue success. Yo, my brother, I appreciate your time. And and again, I salute you. Um, I'm proud of you. I'm a fan Thank watching like everybody else and you doing your thing. But I'm, I really want people to know that, you know, like you really do some real things in the community that you, you come brother. from. And, and that's that's so special. And that's what we need. You know what I mean? So yes, aside from the from the day jobs and all of that, I know that's your real passion. And, no and I salute you. I salute you, brother. Love and blessings. I appreciate that. It means a lot. Last call. I'd like to thank Omar for stopping by the podcast. I'm truly inspired by the passion and effort he puts into his multiple crafts and how he continues to contribute so very much to the culture to this day.
One thing that stuck out to me about Omar is how through his new sci-fi novel, he is breaking stereotypes about black people and literature. We belong in those spaces and have contributed so many impactful works throughout history. I'm so proud to know Omar is cementing his place in the literary world with his new book, Nubia, The Awakening. And hopefully it shows others inside and outside of our community that we have stories to tell and those stories matter. So I ask you, what are you reading lately? When's the last time you read a book? I know I need to step my game up. I probably should start with this one. But whatever it is, just keep in mind, motivation gets you going, but discipline keeps you growing. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week.